This is the SETN Podcast with Frisco Forth and Chandler Morrison, covering high school football in Chattanooga and the Southeast Tennessee area. The SETN Podcast. Welcome in this week. It is SETN Preps. I'm Frisco Forth. He is Chandler Morrison, and we do this during the uh, high school football season. We come to you twice a week. We give you one show where we take a look back at the weekend. We talk about the games that were played later on in the week. We'll be back with you. We'll t- tell you about some of the games that are coming up. And Chandler, we've had all sorts of things. You have moved. Uh, <laughs> we have had a holiday. We've had equipment issues. We have had all sorts of snafus that have tried to slow us down. But yet, here we go. We just uh, we just keep coming at it. And uh, we've got week number two of the prep football season in the books. And man, if you're ready, let's just go ahead and jump into some of these games, Chandler. Yeah, Chris, I'm not going to lie. They had us in the first quarter, but we're fourth quarter now, Chris. That's it. That's it. We're a fourth quarter team. <laughs> Come from behind. We rally. Uh, we we look better in the fourth quarter than Tennessee did Saturday. But that is another <laughs> That's another podcast, Chandler. I'm not going to go there in this one. That's It's it's another podcast, and it's it's that was ugly. All right, let's get into it. Silverdale. Talking about things that aren't ugly. We probably haven't talked a lot about Silverdale over the last, uh, well, since we've been doing this this podcast. It has been a slow, steady climb for Silverdale. And they're not there yet, but they did pick up a nice win. They beat Polk County 29-14. to when the next restructuring, reclassification comes around with the TSSAA, I think Notre Dame is going to end up moving up into that large classification, Chandler. And when that happens, I think Silverdale is going to be the big winner here because they're really close to being good. Wade Jewell throws for over 200 yards. Silverdale had a, a bit of a breakout season last year. They beat Boyd Buchanan, which was huge for them. This is really a program on the rise in terms of how far they can go. I don't know. I don't think they can get past Notre Dame. But I think this is definitely a program that has taken a step forward. And when I look at Polk County, I look at a team that it, it appears as though it's going to be another long year uh, up in Benton. Your thoughts on Silverdale and Polk County? Yeah, Chris, I think you're right. I, I think, honestly, when we think about Silverdale, they were in that, like, 2A classification for so long that some of us look at it and think, well, why are they in the double-A classification in Division two? They should be one of the smaller ones. Uh, but, I mean, Chris, you're talking about a team that if they were in the single-A division in Division two, I'm not so sure that they wouldn't be in, hey, in title agree. talk in, in next year or so. I agree. It's not this yep. year. Yep. You know, and, and, like I, and like you said, Polk County, you know, I – I always have some optimism for Polk County because it is Polk County. You always want to see a program that's not had its better years to kind of beef up again. But, uh, you know, and, and this is, a, you know, I don't know what we're really looking at here. You know, I don't, we had a, a rivalry game against Copper Basin last week where they lost in a close game. Um, you know, and then you talk about your, your, your next week you play a Division II AA school. So I'm, I'm not completely like going off the rails with Polk County yet. I, I just want to see what they can do against some of their like contemporary competition, where you talk about the two A schools, that kind of thing. So let's let's hold off a little bit on the Polk County situation, just a little bit, Chris. Sequatchie County and Marion County. The next couple of games that we're going to talk about, I think, were all great games. I would have paid money mm-hmm. to see just about any of these uh, Friday yeah. night. Sequatchie edged Marion twenty six twenty four. 
These two teams went back and forth with each other all night. Marion County scored with about three minutes left and then couldn't convert on a two-point conversion that would have tied the game. I think Marion County's problem, we talked about this the other week, this is a young football team. They're a little bit one-dimensional. I think Sequatchie County's one-dimensional too, but with Sequatchie, it's by design. I don't necessarily Mm -hmm. think Marion County wants to be that way. Uh, Each team had two turnovers. If you want to find the bright spot out of this for Marion County, Chandler, it's this. They averaged eight yards a rush attempt. They ran 33 plays and had 21 first downs. Think about that for a second. 33 offensive plays, and they had 21 first downs. And by the way, 33 plays in today's football, they got to be playing the game at a snail's pace if you're only running 33 offensive plays. Sequatchie County did just what they do. They just pound you, they pound you, they grind on you, and then you look up at the end of the night and all of a sudden they've hung an L on you, and that's kind of what they did to Marion County. Yeah, I think you're right, Chris. With with, with Marion County, you know, like you said, it it doesn't seem to be by design. You know, the offensive system, I don't really know what they're trying to do as far as, you know, I think they're going kind of like a spread offense out of a wing team, maybe kind of a hybrid somewhere in there. So, you know, I think it's different from kind of different from what we saw a little bit last year. And, and so when you change the offensive system, even if it's just like tweaking it, stuff like that, there's always going to be, you know, just, just growing pains there. And I, I don't know what to expect from Marion County, especially in this district, because really everybody in that, in that region, sorry, it's not district region. I'm like back about five years ago, Chris. Uh, <laughs> but uh, when you look at that region, it's tighter than everybody else. Can Marion County five for that second spot? I'm just not so sure right now with all the other team with other teams you have in there. Yeah, I would have um, thought if you would have asked me back in July who finishes second, I would have said, yeah, probably Marion County. Now, I don't know that I'm that confident in it. I mean, I think if if we had to take someone of our top five week one and put somebody in there, we would have put Marion County. But I'm not so sure that we could even remotely put them anywhere close to that now with us. And when you talk about Sequatchie County, Sequatchie County is starting to be a little bit sneaky again. Last year, Chris, you know, I don't talk about them a whole lot because they're my alma mater and, you know, but uh, <laughs> I had family on both sides of that Marion County Sequatchie game, so I was pretty down the middle on it. Uh, but it, it, Sequatchie County just gets really sneaky in there, and we don't see them a whole lot because they're playing someone in that region out there toward Middle Tennessee. Up toward Cookville, out toward Mip, out toward you know Woodbury and all that stuff, um, but they're, they get sneaky because you look at that South Pittsburgh game. They were leading seven zero. South Pittsburgh comes back, right? And South Pittsburgh is South Pittsburgh. They're on one team in in Class One A if you go by the AP poll. And then you got Marion County sneaking back past them. It's a rivalry game. I don't blame them for that kind of score, but we'll see what we have in the next few weeks as they get into region play. But Sequatchie County always a little bit sneaky, and you they're better than you think they are when they start out the season. They're one of these teams. I know a lot of teams are like this, but getting better as the season goes on, this is one of those programs where you see it every year. Yeah, and I think that's a sign of a good coaching staff is when you take a team in August and then you see them again in you know October or you see them in the playoffs and you go, man, they look a lot better than they did in August or the early part of September. So I used to say that all the time about uh, some of those Lookout Valley teams, especially Lookout Valley last year with Coach Dinger in charge. Man, I I thought the the Lookout Valley team that I saw in November last year was a whole lot better than the team that that I saw in 
you know, early part of September a year ago. Let's move on. Let's go Meigs County and Greenback. Meigs County with a 27-20 victory over Greenback. Wish I could have seen this one. Meigs County's oh, yeah, defense. <laughs> Meigs' defense holds Green Greenback to negative 10 yards rushing. Greenback had to throw it 44 times. They put up 354 Ooh. yards through the air. Uh, again, Meigs County, their quarterback, Aaron Swafford, we talked about him all summer. He was exceptional. He did throw two interceptions, but he threw for a touchdown, and he rushed for two more. Greenback now, for all the hype surrounding them, and I'm, I'm guilty of it too because I sat here on this uh, on this podcast a couple of weeks ago and said I thought Greenback and South Pittsburgh would play in the semifinals for the right to go to the state championship in 1A. Hey, Greenback's sitting here at 0-2. I still yeah. think they get there. I still think it's them and South Pittsburgh in the semifinals in Class 1A. Um, Meigs County. Is it as much of a lot now, Chris? Yeah, I don't know. Give, give me another couple of weeks, and, and let's see how they do going forward. I, I want to say yes. I still feel confident they get there, but let, let's see. I, I did not expect them to be uh, to be 0-2. Meigs County finished with 461 yards of total offense. By the way, we, we've talked about that anticipated Meigs County-Tyner matchup in the playoffs. Tyner put up over 600 yards of total offense against Central on Saturday. So Ooh. give me Meigs County, give me Tyner in the playoffs. That's a game I, w- I want to see those two offenses get on the field and go at each other. I think that would How be did they fun. not get scheduled in the regular season in this cycle, Chris? I, I don't know. That That's just. That's the game. I know South Pittsburgh and Megs is it will be a good game, and you know. But I, if you could have scheduled Tyner and Megs during the season and had kind of like the same feel you have for that South Pittsburgh Whitwell matchup, where you get to, you know you're going to get on twice, or you think you're going to get on twice, I think that would have been a great move by both of these teams to do See, that. I, but you I know, wish, schedule not work out. I wish Megs County was in that uh, was in that region. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I think geographically it makes more sense for them to be in that region than, you know, mm-hmm. the teams they play. One, I think they could draw more fans. I think they're. I think if you talk to their fan base, they would they would much rather play Tyner in Marion County year in and year out than they would mm-hmm. play in the teams they play. Yeah. Yeah, and and and, and Mays County, I, I'm just more and more convinced by, as time goes on that this is going to be a team that. Chris, I don't know if they're going to beat Tyner. I don't even know if they're going to need to play Tyner. But if it comes down to that semifinal matchup, I would have more faith in them this year than last year. And that's saying something because we both had a lot of faith in them oh, to yeah. be able to get to that semifinal match and maybe the championship match, Chris. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think, you know, the the window for them right now is wide open to win this thing and to um, and to do it this year. You got anything else on Meigs County and Greenback? Great game, great two great programs. Uh, it, it, Chris, I don't think it was covered as much as it should have been. I guess it's just because it's like right between Knoxville and Chattanooga, and kind yeah. of a different area. But still, I mean that that's a matchup, like a statewide matchup that should have got more coverage than it did. The only coverage it really got was from the local papers. So at Red, those schools, Red Bank and Ottawa. Uh, Red Bank won at seventeen sixteen. Lions were terrible early. They had five turnovers. Mm-hmm. Maddox Wilkie in the offense, uh, they got going later on in the game. And then Kyle Smith, who will be the most popular kid at Red Bank this week, he kicked a field goal to win it for Red Bank. 
I think both teams played really well defensively. The difference is Red Bank was just able to hit on more big plays late in that game, and I think that is the difference. Uh, Braden Hayes of Ottawa kicked three field goals. Ottawa had drives stall. Okay, get a load of this now. They had drives stall at the 17-yard line, the 13-yard line, and the 23-yard line. They had to settle for field goals all three of those times. If you can at any point in time be able to get another first down and go in and take it in to score, Ottawa wins this game. But because Red Bank was able to hold them to, to three field goals, again, if one of those one of those drives ends up as a touchdown, this game isn't close. And look, Red Bank's, I, th- I still think they're really good. I'm going to get a chance to see them this week. We're going to have Red Bank and Signal on the uh, Friday Night Rivals on the CW Friday night, so that should be fun. Red Bank, again, I still think they're really good. Ottawa will get there. They just aren't the same big play explosive offense that we saw from Red Bank a year ago. Yeah, Chris, I, I, and that, I think that wild. Ago, sorry, I was talking about Ottawa. Yeah. yeah, I don't think I think Ottawa. They're just not as much of a wild card offensively as they were last last year. And I think when you don't have that, like I guess just like when you're late in the game, what I mean by that is when you're late in the game and it's coming down to one last-ditch effort or one last-ditch play in the last two minutes, you know, ooh, I seem to always have that advantage. Right. And I don't know if they're going to have that as much this year. Maybe it's experience, maybe, you know, just the, the, the system they're in or whatever. But two things on this game, Chris. One, we are back on the kicker train, and I'm not liking that at all, Chris. Um, <laughs> no, just kidding. I give love to the kickers because, you know, uh, if it wasn't for kickers, we would lose a lot of games that we should have won, you know. I mean, that's that's an extra point on every touchdown, Chris. Um, so love to the kickers. And, and two, and they, Chris, usually, they, they, usually, they usually bring up the team GPA, too. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. yeah There's not yeah, a lot yeah, of stupid yeah. kickers. Yeah, yeah, true, true that. The second thing is, Chris, imagine if – if Red Bank has two or three turnovers instead of five, well, how different this game is, okay? And, I, you know, I always chalk up, if there's like a bunch of turnovers, I'll chalk one up to the defense of the other team just being that good. But that's still these four turnovers for Red Bank. If they don't have two or three of those turnovers, Chris, this game could have been, you know, a, a two or three touchdown type of game, you know, where it, it's not even close late and, when you start to look down the barrel at this, it kind of feels like a not an Alcoa Maribel matchup, but when you look at kind of like how this how it's set up, it's kind of like that in Chattanooga right now, where Red Bank's a really good team, the three eight team. They come in and beat the six eight team, who is still pretty good. Chris, I mean, take it for what it's worth. But Ottawa is still a team that you know at the end of this season we could be talking about them, you know, between them and Bradley being in that in that you know uh, in that second place behind Maribel, but. Um, you know, with this Red Bank team, I think this kind of shows that maybe this year, if if they have a chance at all to kind of get to Alcoa and be competitive with Alcoa, I don't know, that's a long time down the road. This might show me that, hey, they can be competitive with a 6 day program. Maybe they can build up enough and, and be competitive enough to lead on. Sure. Any other games this week that uh, stood out to you? Uh, Chris, this is one we, we, we had talked about, I think, uh, with Bledsoe County and East Ridge. Uh, Bledsoe County wins 14-13. I uh, didn't need to get into the, all the specifics, but Chris, you're talking about a Bledsoe County team that's now 2-0, okay? 
in that 2A region they're in, right now, Chris, if you're asking me, you're putting a gun to my head saying who's the second-best team in that region. Right now I'm looking at Bledsoe County behind Tyner. And to me, I think Bledsoe County is now one of the dark horses for that region, maybe not to win it, but to be that second seed there. And, Chris, besides this Tyner matchup they have next week, Chris, when you start to look down their schedule, this could potentially, if all the cards fall right, this could be a 9-1 team if, if you take you know them losing the Tyner. Because every game on their schedule besides that Tyner one is very, very winnable. And who knows? You never know what happens in, college, in, in high school football. I'm not predicting an upset or anything next week, Chris, but – you know, every game besides that Tyner game for Bledsoe County is very, very winnable. And I think they're a team that is going to be on a lot of people's radar come uh, October, November. If they can keep, if they can shorten this game against Tyner, uh, if, mm-hmm. if they can slow it down, play a game of keep away, and, and literally keep the clock running to try to hold Tyner down a little bit, keep that Tyner offense mm-hmm. off the field. I think they got it maybe a puncher's chance. Now, we'll say this. If you don't do that, I think Tyner, I think Tyner could put up, uh, you know, four, five, six hundred yards total offense against them if they're not careful. Jeremiah Baptiste will be a nightmare matchup for Bledsoe yep. County this week. He will yep. be a nightmare matchup for Bledsoe County. Chandler, let's yeah, I mean, Chris, if you're going to, if you're Bledsoe, if you're Tyner and you're going to lose a region matchup, that would probably be the one you would. That's that's the only chance I think you have of losing a region matchup. And, and if Bledsoe County does get into this, they have some offensive weapons, Chris. You know, and I know we're talking a little bit late, and I don't think that this is going to be an upset or anything, but it just got a little bit more interesting with that win this week. Yeah, uh, again, uh, Coach Tabor, he's done a uh, he's done a good job so far. I mean, he's done a he's done a really mm-hmm. good job for them to have the success they've had through the first two weeks of the season. All right, Chandler, let's uh, let's get to our top five. We didn't get a chance to do this last week because of technical snafus. So here we have, uh, we got two games in the books for most of the teams in our area. So let's go, let's start with the small school classifications. I'll let you lead it off. Give me your number five through number one of the small schools. This is 1A, 2A, and 3A. Well, right now... Uh... And number five, Chris, I've got to go with Bledsoe County. And previously that was Whitwood number five. But to me, I don't think there's another small school team other than Bledsoe County that should even be on that top five radar. Uh, you know, I think Squatch County is sneaky. I still don't think they should be in the top five yet. Um, but Bledsoe County sneaking into my top five at number five. You just want me to go through all of them, Chris? Yeah, just roll them. Okay. Uh, number four. I've got uh, uh, South Pittsburgh. Um, I know they're number one in the AP. I, I just think right now that until that next county matchup later this season, I don't know that we're going to see South Pittsburgh rise or fall. Um, and then at number at number three, I've got Meigs County. Um, right now, and it just depends on the day, I just feel right now at number two, Tyner is better than Mex County, and when you see that central game, you're like, yeah, I think they're they're a head and shoulder above right now. But who knows? Next week, Connor Castrillo against Bledsoe County, and then we're swapping those up again. And then at number one, Chris, I have Red Bank. Um, obvious why. Any, any small school classification team that beat a six-day school, uh, you're definitely going at the top of my top five. <laughs> That's amazing. You and I did not talk 
and we both have the same top five because that's mine too in that same order. <laughs> Bledsoe County, South Pittsburgh, uh, Meigs County, Tyner, and Red Bank. That's that's the way I look at it as well. Now, here's what I will say. I think those one through four I think are exceptional. State title contenders, Tyner, Red Bank, Meigs, South Pitt. Bledsoe County is Bledsoe County's almost there because nobody else has really stood out to me. So I'm, I'm holding a little bit of judgment back on Bledsoe County before I really commit to them being a top-five team. But, hey, uh, you know, you can't, you can't doubt them. They're 2-0. and and, and, again, I, I don't think anybody else that I would consider in that uh, small – what we're considering a small school classification, 1A through 3A, I don't see anybody there that gives me reason to want to put them in and, and bump others out, you know. So or bump Bledsoe out. So that's the reason why I've got Bledsoe at five. South Pittsburgh at four. Meigs County. Uh, matter of fact, South Pittsburgh will play Red Bank and and Meigs County this year. Yep. So uh, they, that's a heck of a schedule the Pirates have. So um, and then of course you know Tyner. What can you say? Red Bank. Look forward to getting a chance to see them in person. Now the large school classifications. Uh, Chandler, I'll give you mine, and then we'll get to you. Uh, Bradley Central's five. And it's sort of the same kind of deal. I, I kept looking for somebody else to plug in other than Bradley Central, and I couldn't. There was nobody else that really stuck out to me. So i got Bradley Central at five. I've got Ray County at number four. They're off to a, uh, to a good start. Notre Dame is number three. Baylor's number two, and Macaulay's number one. I, you know, I, I told this to some people uh, around the state. I saw Stephen Hargis the other week, um, and, and I mentioned this to Stephen. I think people around the state are absolutely sleeping on Baylor. I think Baylor is much, much better than what people around the state of Tennessee realize. But that's my top five. Chris, we haven't talked about this at all, I know. I've literally got the same top five in the big schools as you do because I went and looked again. I had mine like late last week, and I went and looked again today before I came into work, and I was just looking and tweaking around, and I saw the Ray County thing. I was like, that sounds like – so we've literally got the same top five here, Chris, again. Really? This is a, this is a very rare occasion. And Great you probably see it the rest of the season. Great months. We think alike. <laughs> well, I don't know if you call us great minds, Chris, but we definitely think alike. Adequate minds. Adequate minds think alike. Adequate there you go. Minds. Uh, so you've got you've got Macaulay, Baylor, Notre Dame, Ray, and Bradley. You got them in that order. Yes. Wow. Yes. That's unbelievable. Um, and Chris, I want to go back to the small schools for a second. What chance do you give South Pittsburgh of going two and zero? Against Red Bank and Mex County in that schedule. Golly, whew! No uh, way. I'm not, man. I'm not going to count those guys out. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to count those guys out. It will be tough, though. It will be tough. I, I think Red Bank is every bit. I know they lost, you know, uh, Calvin Jackson from last year, but I think Red Bank is every bit as good as they have been. Um, I think South Pittsburgh is better this year than they were last year. Um, I think Meigs County is better this year than they were last year. So, man, I, I don't know. I Look, here's the thing. 
kudos to those coaches. Kudos to Coach Brown over at Red Bank for coming in here and saying, you know what? Yeah, we'll we'll play the we'll play the best team in one A football. We'll schedule that. Um, yeah, and you know, kudos to um, Coach Fitzgerald at at Meigs County for coming in and and saying the same thing. Yeah, we'll play those guys. It's hard for South Pittsburgh to schedule games because of the history yeah. and people know about them and and a lot of people don't want to play them. And I I don't blame you. Why would you as a four A program? Why would you want to schedule a game with South Pittsburgh? and get beat, and then have all of your fan base say, well, gosh, why did we lose to a 1A program? Well, it, you know, uh, people don't. And it's never as simple as that, Chris, but I think the perception is yep. always going to be yep. there. That That's, you got it. You got it. And that is a that is really, really tough perception-wise. And South Pittsburgh's one of those teams that over the years, I mean, they look, they've played their share of teams from – uh, you know, they've played teams from Alabama. They've played teams from Kentucky. They've played teams from Georgia. They've had to because they hadn't been able to find anybody that would schedule them. So, uh, mm-hmm. again, kudos to those coaches and Coach Grider, too, for going out and putting a schedule like this together because uh, those will be, as far as I'm concerned, those are two of the, uh, you know, that Meigs County, South Pittsburgh, and, and uh, Red Bank, South Pittsburgh, those are two of the, premier matchups in high school football mm-hmm. in our area this year. I mean, I just don't think you're going to find – and there's some good games, but I don't think you're going to find two that are better than those two. Yeah, I, I think the schedule this year has been a lot better than in some of the past years. I think people have been getting ahead of the game a little bit where a lot of times the bad matchups aren't necessarily because you pick those. It's because that's what's left when you're a high school coach. And – and I think a lot of times this year, a lot of good programs got up in front ahead of this and said, listen, we're going to find the best matchups we can, and hopefully they call in, and then they're just been the right coaches in the right places to get those matchups. But I think the scheduling this year has been a lot better across the board in the Chattanooga area. You got any final thoughts this week before we wrap it up and get out of here? Man, what a great week of, of high school football. A lot of the, the – out of the four we talked about, uh, and even including, and, and even when you include the Bledsoe East Ridge, a lot of close games that, like you said, I would pay money to go see. We have, we don't usually have to pay money to go see because we have those press passes, Chris, but those are ones that I'd show out some money to go see. And, um, even though I'm all the way up here <laughs> out of the state, Chris, I might even fly back for one of those. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm telling you, I think we had, uh, I agree with you. I think we had a great weekend too. I thought those were some, uh, some great games that, uh, that we saw and, and looking forward to uh, to week three. Hey, want to remind you, you can find this show. It's available on iTunes. You can also find it on Spotify. Uh, just do the search for SETN Preps. Make sure you rate, subscribe, and review uh, this podcast. We would greatly appreciate that. You can find us mm-hmm. on Twitter. You can find Chandler at Sports Chandler. You can find me. At Chris Go Forth One, you can now find SETN Preps. That's right. We got a little, we got a little pay, a little, uh, little Twitter account here for uh, SETN Preps. You can go to at SETN Preps, and you can uh, follow us there. And we've got, uh, man, we've got, uh, uh, you know, East Hamilton's following us. Um, mm-hmm. We've got uh, a couple of athletes in the area that uh, that follow us. Only the coolest well. athletes. That are on That's social right. media, right? Chris? That's right. Only the cool <laughs> ones. 
John Starr, who's the head coach at Howard. He follows us on uh, on the SETN Preps account. So uh, if you're out and about, you're looking for some, uh, want to stay up to date on, on uh, high school football, check it out at SETN Preps. Chandler, anything else before we get out of here? I'll let you get back to uh, shining Stephen A. Smith's shoes or whatever that is you're doing today. Uh, well, actually, I'm doing that, Chris. I did run into SVP Scott Van Pelton uh, cafeteria a while ago, but tell him we said hi. There. Tell him we said hi. SCTMPreps.com, though. We have we also have our Friday night school board on there that you can go to and see as well. Uh, we're going to start updating that site a lot more, getting the standings, getting the scores, and even the rankings we have. So uh, be sure to check out SCTMPreps.com as well. Um, and join excellence on social media. You saw all the names we just listed off. Yeah. Just go follow us on Twitter. I mean, why wouldn't you want to be in that class right Yeah, and if, and if you want to get updates on Friday nights, we're doing that uh, through uh, through Twitter as well. So, again, it's at yep. SCTN Preps. You can also follow uh, Chandler and I for some other assorted nonsense, at Sports Chandler, at Crisco Fourth One. That is going to do it for us. We will see you later on in the week. We'll preview week three a couple of good matchups coming up this week as well, so we'll get to that later on. Chandler, always fun, my man. We will do this again. Sounds good.